Welcome to The Backbone, but first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Brian Wu, finance lead at Borrowwell. Borowell is a leading Canadian fintech company focused on credit education for Canadians. Brian is a former director at CIBC Capital Markets, where he led the development of a new FX fintech solution. He is an experienced finance leader with a diverse background in strategy, corporate development, and accounting. Brian is focused on combining finance with strategy and operational excellence. He earned his Master of Accounting from the University of Waterloo and is a Chartered Professional Accountant and a CFA Charter Holder. So without further ado, here's Brian Wu, Finance Lead at Borrowwell. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on The Backbone this morning and uh, spending some time with us. So let's get started right away. You know, you started your career at uh, KPMG working in their audit and tax group and then in their transaction and restructurings practice. So from there, you went on to CIBC in their strategy and corp dev group. And now you're at Borowell for almost a year. And so talk to me about your path to Borowell and what it's been like going from large corporations to a fintech company. So my path to landing in Borough's finance team is quite a conventional one. Um, so like you said, I started my career at KPMG uh, in a rotation program. It really allowed me to gain experience in both assurance and tax. From there, you know, having always had that keen interest in finance, um, I transferred into the valuations group, which really gave that opportunity for me to really assess company valuations across very many different industries. Um, looking to really broaden my skill set you know, beyond this traditional accounting and finance, I decided that I was going to go and join the strategy and corporate development team at CABC, uh, which really gave me the opportunity to really work on strategic initiatives um, that really to kind of drive the organic and organic growth for the bank. After some time, my boss at the time there really knew that I was quite interested in startups and really championed for me to join this team in capital markets, which had a very interesting mandate to develop new fintech solutions for the bank. So mm. after spending about two years in this fintech team, um, you know, really focused on launching new products, gaining experience in product strategy, business development, and product development, I decided I needed to kind of earn my stripes working on a startup. 
um, a friend of mine knew the folks at Barbell and uh, and that they were really looking for uh, someone that could kind of help them with their financial reporting, um, uh, effectively the finance lead position. Uh, and so I applied for it there. And here I am now today. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, so I mean, like uh, what I'm doing now at Barlow, it's it's really about you know financial reporting. There's a lot of investor uh, reporting and projects around uh, management reporting and KPIs. Uh, so there's a handful of you know different things that I have to kind of manage on a day to day. Nice. And so when you had that position at CIBC within the, I guess, uh, banks innovation uh, or fintech practice, was that looking at uh, other fintech startups or was that looking at more how can the bank kind of be its own startup incubator in-house kind of thing? Like what was the delineation between that? So the opportunity I had... Um, Really, it was, I guess, a natural progression from what I was doing uh, within the strategy and corporate development team. My kind of interests have always allowed me to, um, with you know, the really great support from from my um, mentors there, they were able to kind of give me on, get me on fairly interesting pro- uh, projects related to innovation and sort of more fintech focused initiatives. Particular particular team that I jumped on to uh, in the capital markets team was very much uh, actually a team that actually developed products. Got it. So it was more about building out new businesses, uh, not necessarily looking for potential acquisition targets. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. So you alluded to this uh, point of earning your stripes at uh, at a startup like Borowell. So tell me tell me about Borowell and what Borowell is all about. Launched in 2014, Borowell really came to market with an innovative online platform offering Canadians unsecured three and five year installment loans. So it, it came to market really with that uh, unsecured loan platform. Around late 2016 to most of 2017, the focus was to transform the business to a platform um, built on credit education. So, you know, being that first company in Canada to offer Canadians their free credit score. And then as of January 2018, um, we launched Full Credit Report as well. So they, you know, our users are able to log on, view their full report for free. So with close to half a million users now, we, you know, we really think we've become a very key player for Canadians looking to make really good decisions about credit. And I've recently started seeing some Borowell TV ads, which is always cool, um, just to see uh, companies on on TV. Is that like a, I guess, strategy for for you guys um, getting TV ads and such? Because mo- most startups tend to just at not advertise on TV. I, I think it's the, the way, I guess, financial institutions and, and I guess just financial products in general work. It's it's great to have certain brand awareness um, and that brand that brand recognition as well. Having TV advertising really certainly uh, helps um, kind of move that brand and build that brand for us. For sure. Well, that's pretty incredible that you guys have a, almost a you know half a million users on the platform. That's uh, quite the feat. So uh, I want to dig into the you know recent product launches you guys have had. So you know as you said, you started with the free credit check, and then more recently launched the free credit score product. You're no longer a place where consumers can go to to get a loan. Like it's evolved beyond that, like you alluded to. And so, what was the decision making process like for that from a finance perspective to expand your product for portfolio with a free product because right now that credit score is a, is a free product that your users can get access to but uh, off the bat you can't really monetize that so what was the thought process behind that so you know going back to kind of building that kind of brand awareness if you look at a startup that's competing in in, in the market that 
largely dominated by financial institutions with you know, big brand awareness and, and really, really large marketing resource. We really had to be focused on product features and product offerings that, you know, first of all, could help broaden our user base. Uh, second of all, really increased engagement of our users. So the, account, the co-founders really recognized that, you know, offering a free credit check, you know, subsequently the full credit report really gave our user base that really, you know, good user experience because after they signed up, they have, you know, complete access to this free service. So yes, there are costs associated with providing this free service, but we're able to make the unit economics very attractive because you know, it really allows us to engage better with our users and, and present product recommendations that really best fit each user's credit profile. And, and we've done some re- research on our user base and noticed some very interesting ter- um, trends. It was, it was that, you know, those users who actually use our service to monitor their credit scores actually see their scores improve over time, which is, you know, great. Because on average, you know, a user that's been using our credit score for, say, about a year and a half really experienced about an average of 20-point improvement. Oh, wow. Credit score. Yeah. So I guess this is coming back to the the education aspect of, of why the I guess company was initially launched uh, allows people to you know when they can see uh, on a regular basis what their credit score is. A lot of people don't even know what it is, right? And so once they're able to see that, they're able to I guess monitor it and uh, improve it over time. Is is what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. It's. You know, you really only get better at doing something when you have the actual means to kind of monitor and and track it. And so our product is a great product for, for people to continue to kind of monitor their credit activity in terms of like where they are and from a credit score perspective and, and kind of make the make the right decisions to kind of move move that uh score in the right direction. Right, right. So you, you mentioned that there's kind of cost associated with kind of running this free product. And so is there, is it like a consumer freemium model? Are these users eventually then going to get loans from you? Is that the, the goal? Because then you get them on the platform and then they continue to monitor their credit score. And when they're ready, then they will get a loan with Borrowwell? Well, it's it's not just a loans. Um, what we want to do is really be that platform for well our users to actually log on and 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 first of all monitor their credit score but second of all to really um, you know give in a great kind of array of products that best fit them from the, from for based on the credit profile and so to the extent that any particular product that we've kind of we, we've added on our platform uh that makes sense to them and 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 they uh and they click on it. We uh, we actually have you know we are able to monetize that by you know earning some sort of referral fee for it. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's uh, you know what started off as a free product with a cost associated. Now you're uh, able to kind of monetize that uh, through the platform that you built. That's that's uh, really cool. So moving gears a little bit now to uh, the complexity of Borowell. You know, I don't think a lot of people appreciate how complex it is because you as a consumer you'll come. On and it's like a, a very nice interface, uh, something that you you can just use right away. You don't have to understand all of the complexities kind of ha- happening behind the scenes. But as a finance leader there, uh, you got to deal with a lot of moving parts and various stakeholders. And so there are the consumers that you serve. There are the financial institutions that provide you the loans that you ultimately provide uh, to your customers. And then through it all, you operate within a very highly regulated financial services industry. 
So as the finance lead, how do you balance all of this? So coming into this role, I've had a fair bit of experience kind of learning new skills and being placed outside my comfort zone. Um, you know, in, in your earlier question, uh, you know, I, I kind of give you a bit of a background where, you know, I effectively have been doing quite a, I've worn many different hats. You know, finance at Boral is definitely more complex. Um, as you mentioned, you know, there are those loan partners and equity investors, both of which are just very highly sophisticated and, and would expect the company to really meet a certain level of financial maturity. Right. So in order for us to kind of, you know, for, for me really to keep that to do, to do list manageable, every, thing we do really got to be prioritized, um, you know, based on, uh, first of all, impact to business relationships or contractual obligations. And second of all, is when it is due. So I spend, you know, quite a bit of time reassessing what things are really a priority. And then uh, also, cons- you know, considerable amount of time designing processes and templates um, to make sure that any kind of routine task Mm-hmm. Uh, are perform, perform fairly efficiently. Got it. And how much of that uh, aspect, like just the complexity of it, was just getting your head around, you know, the the financial services industry, how everything kind of all operates, and then how much of that did your time at CIBC help in that regard? Because you mentioned you you've worn a lot of hats there as well. Yeah. So the great part about having worked at a large, uh, you know, financial institution um, like CIBC is that. Uh, I can certainly appreciate the complexity of working with uh, large FIs. Um, no, there is there there is that rigor uh, in terms of uh, you know how these kind of banks or large financial institutions um, approach you know vendor uh, risk management approach to just you know the the type of information that they require. You know, uh, and, and it's understandably you know that they would want to have that type of rigor, right? There are they are regulated entities, mm-hmm. um, so they do have a number of different committees to really manage risk. Um, you know, you have your traditional credit risk management, but then you would also have defender risk management, and then you would have uh, you know someone that's in the project management office who manages a project as well. So there's a number of stakeholders that it's always at play, and, and I and, and my time at CIBC really gave me that uh, opportunity to kind of understand how how it all kind of works together. Really, you know, it's been a interesting kind of time at CIBC uh, in the sense that it was a really really great learning experience, and I think all that really translated well to kind of my success. That's great to hear. And so ask the the final question before moving to our quick fire round. In your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at a technology company, at a fintech company, at a kind of early stage growing company? In in my opinion, the finance function really has two major roles to play. Um, so the obvious one is really to give the company's founders and investors peace of mind that there is financial discipline within the company. So what this means is there is that appropriate level of controls in place to manage cash, spending, uh, and that there are defined processes to really capture and forecast business performance. Right. The second role, I think, is fairly, uh, I, I guess, less talked about in the startup world, but I think just as important. And, and that's really being the advocate and backbone for strategic projects. You know, the finance team, if it's well integrated with the business, have a very complete picture of the company's business model. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's a team that would be in a great position to assess and validate, you know, business initiatives and projects. Right. Because it is really kind of the horizontal layer across the organization that speaks to sales, marketing, product development. And uh, no, that, that's a very, very good point. And so then as part of that, that uh, being that backbone of, of across, you know, multifunctional groups within the organization, one of the aspects that I wanted to touch on was that there's this concept, especially in, a, in the fintech space, as I mentioned, highly regulated and, and whatnot. And so there's this concept of like having a socks audit and there's and then like of internal controls and all of those kinds of things. A big component of internal controls is segregation of duties. And I think we talked about this earlier, uh, separate from this chat, was that, you know, you guys are a fairly small team. And so how do you balance having segregation of duties? It's one thing to have segregation of duties at CIBC where there are thousands and thousands of people. But like there's bound to be overlap in duties when you have 30 people. So how, how do you, I guess, uh, manage that from a, like it's a theoretical thing versus a practical thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the challenge of, uh, the challenge and, 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 uh, at the same time, a very refreshing sort of, uh, you know, mandate to kind of achieve, right. Which is again, going back to what you said, right. Like, Controls is very tough in an organization that's smaller uh, because there's only so few people that are kind of doing the same thing, right? Uh, and, and so in terms of how we as an organization would have to assess controls, um, it really comes back down to where your risk, uh, you know, where the material risks are. And, and, and that what that means is that really understanding the business model and understanding what it is that are, uh, you know, the people that would want to be able to, to assess your controls, what they're really looking for in terms of like areas of risk. Right. And, and focus on that instead, right? Because like there could be hundreds and thousands of controls that you would want to put in place. Um, but that's would just stifle any kind of mm-hmm. velocity you want to want to have uh, within your organization. So you want to strike a balance between staying nimble and, you know, being able to, to move fast, not having a lot of hoops to jump through for the sake of controls, but at the same time, making sure that there are controls in place so that uh, you like not everything, not help breaks loose. So it's, it's striking that balance, I guess. Exactly, exactly. And so it's, it's you know, I take you know, an example. Like we, we, we were going through a process of developing a control or several controls. And it came to a point where it was like, okay, well, if we were to perform this control over uh, as kind of these controls as separate processes, they would add, you know, another four to five tasks on our on our monthly kind of to-do list. Hmm. Kind of went out, designed the control and, and a process where it would take only uh, effectively one more larger task uh, to complete. But at the same time, it would be uh, kind of over-encompassing of you know, several different things we wanted to kind of check to make sure that we were, everything was kind of ba- well, well balanced. So what I'd love to do now is hop into our quick fire round. So the way this works is I'll ask a quick question and then you'll have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? Uh, sounds good. All right. So let's do it. So the first thing is what's your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related? So... I actually haven't found any really good online resource um, that discuss operational finance. For things more around strategic finance, I actually like Fred Wilson's blog. Nice. That's a good one for sure. Um, And what's your favorite productivity hack? 
I don't check emails or my phone mid-task. Oh, very interesting. So what do you, like, uh, you, like, because nowadays you can't, uh, uh, like, notifications are always coming. So, like, what do you, you just put it somewhere else? Or, like, how do you, you turn off email? Like, how do you actually do that? Well, yeah, like, uh, I, I just don't actually look at it. Hmm. Um, like, uh, I, I have different monitors. I, when I'm working on something, my email's on the, on a, on my laptop monitor, which Got doesn't it. actually get, gives a notification. My phone, I don't actually bring, put it up on my desk. Hmm. Um, so it just really helps to focus. That's really cool. That's really uh, very efficient. I mean, obviously, you know, there's so many distractions, especially with notifications and whatnot, that uh, hard to stay on task. So that's that's really refreshing to hear. Um, and one thing, you don't leave the office before finishing. I'm a. I, I really like to use sticky notes. So before I leave the office, I always write down my priorities for the next day on a sticky note. Got it. So you actually use physical sticky notes versus like the online like yeah. stuff. Yes. Got it. Got yeah, it's it. a bit old school, but <laughs> I, I stick it on my monitor and make sure that the next day I come in seeing it. Do you have like different colors? Like, are you like how intense is your sticky note game? Uh, it's just whatever I have at the office. So <laughs> nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Brian. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you this morning, uh, talking to you about your path to Borowell and uh, talking about how the thinking behind launching Borowell's uh, products and kind of pr- uh, providing consumers with a holistic view of their uh, financial uh, credit situation and dealing with the various stakeholders and the complexities that Borowell uh, presents as a fintech company and managing all of that. So it's been really a lot of fun uh, speaking with you and uh, thanks again for your time.